Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Exodus chapter 34, starting at the 29th verse, it says, Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hands when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. After all, the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. Verse 33, And when Moses had finished speaking with them, notice this, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out, and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went to speak with him. If you were at last month's Elevate Rally, I kind of want to pick up where I left off. If you weren't at last month's Elevate Rally, don't worry. Uh, you don't have to hear part one. This is, this is just picking up where we left off. We talked about... Uh, you know what? It doesn't even matter what we talked about. Just, just why don't we drop our Bibles? We're, I want to talk on the theme, which is reflect Him. And so can we just drop our Bibles, raise our hands, and just ask God to do what He wants to do in this place? Can you lift your voices with me all over this place? Can we raise our hands, raise our voices, let Him know how much we love Him? Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, God. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to be in your presence. Thank you for, Lord, the freedom and the liberty that is in your presence, God. I thank you, God, that you are here tonight, God. And when you are here, anything is possible. So I pray today, God, captivate our hearts, captivate our attentions, God. Give us eyes, Lord, to see, ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. God, I pray my voice today would be, Lord, an amplifier of heaven, that you would speak through me. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap and you may be seated. His name was Narcissus. And according to Greek mythology, he was distinguished for his beauty. His mother was told when he was very young that he would have a long productive life as long as he never recognized himself. Growing up, many people gave Narcissus attention because of his good looks. Ladies wanted everything they could of him. They wanted his affection. They wanted to win his attention. However, Narcissus paid no attention to them. and As a result, he broke many hearts. However, one day, as the myth goes, he went down to a pool and happened to, for the first time, catch a glimpse of himself in the water. He was captivated by what he saw. Narcissus, never seeing this image before, fell madly in love with himself. This one-sided relationship began to eat away at him so much so that he refused to leave. He refused to eat. He refused to drink. And eventually he died of starvation. All because of his reflection. 
Or how about this story? Maybe you recall hearing about this when you were growing up of an evil queen that wanted the best of everything. She wanted to be known as the fairest in all the land. Ring any bells? She had a mirror that she would go to and look at a reflection and she would ask the question. Maybe you remember the question she would ask. She would say, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest? Of them all. But let's be honest, how many of you have done that before? I think I saw only guys' hands go up. However, the answer, as we know, was not her, but rather her stepdaughter, Snow White. This drove the queen to great jealousy and caused her to act out in a destructive manner, all because of the voice and the mirror. Today, social media has become one of those mirrors, one that allows, if we're not careful, the reflection to be on me, what I am doing, what I'm up to, what's going on in my life, who I am, me, me, I. And in an attempt to be social, if we're not careful, we can fall to the trap and become self-absorbed, desperately desiring likes, basing our self-worth on followers, and using others as a metric for value. Maybe you heard of this, but just a couple of days ago, Instagram implemented a change in which it now hides the number of likes someone gets with the hopes to decrease the competitive pressure among people. Instagram's head, Adam Mosier, said, what we're hoping to do is depressurize Instagram a little bit and make it a bit less about competition. The idea is to try and reduce anxiety and social comparisons, specifically with an eye towards young people. This was the head of Instagram. You, you see, this tool used for connecting with others has become a trap. A trap of magnifying and glorifying me. However, as apostolics, we cannot afford to fall to this trap our goal must always be to point others to Jesus. Our goal must always be to reflect the Savior, that people don't look at us, but that when they see us, they see Jesus. Can I get an amen? That when people look at you, they see a reflection of the Savior. That when you walk into your school, they say, hey, there's something different about that person. There's something unusual about them. They reflect something different. We are to reflect Jesus in everything we do. In our opening passage of scripture, Moses has just come down from Mount Sinai where the Lord had given him another copy of the Ten Commandments. It, it was only ten chapters earlier that Moses had found himself in the same place on Mount Sinai with the Lord. He had spent 40 days and 40 nights. He had fasted and he was spending time with God and God was giving him the law. He was beginning to give him the pattern of the tabernacle. And it's in that moment that Moses and God are communing face to face that, that the Lord says to Moses, it's time for you to get back down. You don't realize what's taking place, but, but the Israelites, they have gone to idolatry and they're worshiping a golden calf. And you, I'm sure, know the story. Moses, as he is walking down, he begins to hear the music, and he begins to see and know and understand what's taking place. And, and in frustration and anger, Moses takes the Ten Commandments, and he throws them, and they break. 
God takes care of the people. God and Moses resolve the issue, but it's, it's a little while later. We don't know exactly how long that Moses meets again with the Lord. And once again, the Lord invites him back up to the mount. But before this happens, we, we gain a little insight into Moses' relationship. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 13, it says this. This is Moses speaking. He says, Thou therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider what this nation is your people. And the Lord spoke back to Moses. He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. But listen to what Moses responds to God. He said, if your presence does not go with us, if, you're pre if I'm going to go somewhere, God, and your presence is not going to come with me, I don't want to go. He was saying, Lord, I'm not going to take another step unless I know that you're going with me. Lord, I can't, I can't go into my school on Monday if you're not going to go with me. I can't go to my job if you're not going to go with me. Lord, I'm not going to take another step unless I know beyond the shadow of the doubt that you are with me. I refuse as a matter of fact. How many times do we force open doors? We, we think, hopefully, if I walk through this door, God will catch up with me. And, and we try to force and, and, and push things open. And God says, I've never intended for you to go there. I've never intended you to walk that way. But what if we stopped and we said, Lord, you show me where to go. You order my steps, Lord. You direct my path. You tell me which way you want me to go. And when you tell me, Lord, that's only when I'm going to move. But Moses doesn't stop there. In verse 18, he says to the Lord, Lord, show me your glory. He says to God, Lord, I want a personal, intimate relationship with you. I, I'm not, if I could just take some creative liberty, I, I'm not content with hearing about what the forefathers of the past said about you. I'm not content with, with hearing about miracles that have happened from other people. I'm not content with just hearing about other people recount stories, but God, I want to know your true essence. I want to know everything there is to know about you. I don't want to just have, Lord, a casual relationship with you. I want depth. God, I, if I could say it this way, I don't want just moments. I don't want just moments at winter youth convention and elevate rallies and, and on Sunday mornings. I don't want to just go from moment to moment, but I daily want to commune with you. I daily want to abide in your presence. I, I daily want to have that intimate relationship where you speak to me and I can speak to you. Moses didn't want his relationship with God to, to be superficial. He desired depth. So he says, Lord, show me your glory. The Lord says, come on up to Mount Sinai. And he once again goes, get this, back up to Mount Sinai. He once again fasts for 40 days. Some of us can't fast for 40 minutes. Here's a man, who knows, it could have been a couple months in between. And he fasts for another 40 days and 40 nights. And he spends another 40 days in God's presence. And God once again gives him the law. But notice what happens this time. When Moses comes back down to be with the people, all of a sudden, people are probably looking at him a little weird. There's something different about Moses this time. His face is glowing. Moses is like one of those like, little light-up bugs. Fireflies. How many of you catch fireflies and put them in a... Yeah, I won't go any further with what I used to do with fireflies. I made the concrete glow at times. God forgive me. And Moses comes down, and, and people, I'm sure, are starting to look at him and, and, and kind of like step back, and he's like, how are you? And they're like, eh, don't, 
come near me. Moses doesn't realize that in his relationship with God, all of a sudden something on the outward had changed. Let me, let me say this. How many of you have ever gotten so close to a friend that you start to resemble them? Anyone have a close friend that you, you maybe aren't with them and you go somewhere and someone's like, hey, do you know, do you know so-and-so? Because you, you, you act like them. You kind of look like them. You know something weird? So Angie and I have been married for 12 years, and, and I don't know how long ago it was, but someone came up to me and was like, is that your sister? I was like, what? Like, you guys kind of look alike. Like, well, I, I don't know about, I don't know if that's a compliment. I mean, sister, I mean, resemblance is good, but I've noticed that the longer that I spend with my wife, the more that we'll say things and we'll finish each other's Sandwiches, right. And we'll say inside jokes, and I don't know if they came from her, and she doesn't know if they came from me, and we'll go to restaurants, and instinctively we know that, you know, we're going to get our, uh, we're going to split a meal because she likes chocolate and I like fruit desserts. And, and, and so we have this resemblance that's going on because we've spent time with each other. This is what happened to Moses. He got so close to God that he began to reflect the glory of God. Let's put it this way, relationship with God produces a reflection of God. Relationship with God produces a reflection of God. Extended relationship brings a nearness which brief communion cannot attain. Let me say that again, extended relationship brings a nearness, something that a casual relationship cannot attain. You see, we cannot be reflectors of God when it's all about me. I cannot be a reflector of God when I'm continually walking in my flesh. Uh, and I cannot be a reflector of God. It's very difficult for me to be a reflector of God when I have no relationship with him. When I worship a God that I don't pray to. Yeah, you know the songs. Yeah, you can come here and you can fool me. And I think there's something about that person. But what happens on Monday morning when God begins to whisper in your ear and say, hey, spend some time with me. Jesus said this about relationship. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. He said, and when you pray, you should not be like hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets. And they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. He said, these hypocrites, they love to come to church. Let's just put it in our modern day vernacular. And they love to run the aisles and they love to dance and they love to do everything outward. As a matter of fact, you may find these individuals in the room and they'll pray loudly, but the reality is, is when they go home, that's it. All they're looking for is to convince you that there's something different about them. See, you can come to Winter Youth Convention and you can be the first one down when the music starts and you can be the last one to leave when the altar call is open. But if you don't do that when you get home, if you don't continue that, if you don't continually walk in that, he says all you're doing is fooling other people. And as a matter of fact, he said, you're a hypocrite. See, you don't need to convince me. You don't need to convince your youth leader. You don't need to convince your friend. The only one you're going to stand before one day and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is Jesus. And so that is the very thing that you need to be concerned about is, is he looking at you and saying, well done, or is he looking at you and saying, it's been a minute? Continue on with that next verse. Throw that next verse up, Brother Seth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He said, but when you pray, enter into your closet. 
And when you've shut your door, pray to your father which sees in secret. And your father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I want you to see something about this verse. He says, when you pray. He doesn't say if you pray. He says, when you pray, enter into your closet. When you shut the door, pray to your father which is in secret. And the father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. There are things that you can only purchase in private. There are things that you're only going to be able to walk through publicly if you have a private relationship with God. And so we daily, brothers and sisters, my friends, I'm not trying to, 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 to coerce you. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but, but we need to daily make sure that we get into that secret place with the Most High. We need to make sure daily, whatever that time is, if you need to get out your calendar app and, and put that in your phone and say, every day from such and such a time to such and such a time, I'm going to be alone with God. Because it's in those moments that God is going to begin to get intimate with you and you're going to walk out of there and you're going to begin to reflect him. People are going to say, there's something different about you, Elsa. There's something that I don't know, but you look a little different. Is there something you've done? And it's no, I've just spent time in the presence of God. I've been on a journey for the last seven months and I've changed up a little bit of the way that I've prayed and I began to pray the tabernacle. Anyone prays the tabernacle in here? A couple people. Study it out. It's, it's fascinating. And when I, when I begin to pray into the holy place and I step through the holy place and, and the first thing you saw when you were in the holy place was the golden candlestick. The, the golden candlestick was the only light that would be in that dark holy place. And so when I pray the holy place, knowing that that candelabra was lit by the oil, I realize daily in my life that I need the oil of the Holy Ghost. I realize that I can't just be content with the filling that I got when I was six years old, but daily I need to be full of the Spirit. So I need to not leave my closet until I'm daily full in the Spirit, because if I am not full of the Spirit, I'm going to default to my flesh. If I'm not walking in my Spirit, I'm going to respond in the flesh. But the second thing when I pray the candlestick is I say, God, illuminate your light in me so that when I come in contact with other people, that even before we begin to talk, that my spirit, your spirit through me would meet them. And this is where I pray two things. I pray the fruit of the spirit for my life. Because if I am walking in the spirit, a byproduct of walking in the spirit should be the fruit of the spirit should be in my life. That means the works of the flesh should not be attached to me. That means I shouldn't respond in anger. I shouldn't kill my brother or my sister with my words. That means I shouldn't look at things that I know have no desire or no need to be looking at. But when I'm walking in the spirit, I have love and joy in my life. I have a peace that passes all understanding. I have patience. I have gentleness. I have goodness. I, I have self-control. So when the enemy starts whispering in my ear, hey, how about this? I have self-control to say no. But the second thing I pray is I want to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. This generation needs to get a healthy dose of the Spirit so we can begin to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to know something, that the gifts of the Spirit are not just meant for your parents. The gifts of the Spirit are not just meant for your pastor. The gifts of the Spirit are not just meant for ministers or people that have attained a certain height in spirituality. No, you can daily walk in the gifts of the Spirit if you want to. You can be in your classroom and all of a sudden a word of wisdom comes out of your mouth. Or maybe the faith begins to rise up inside of you and you lay hands on the sick and God instantly heals them. Why not? Why not in my school? Why not in my city? Why not in my job? 
So every day I say, God, let a word of prophecy come out of my lips, Lord. Help me to have wisdom, Lord. Help me to have understanding, God. Help me to have discerning of spirits. So that when I walk and I come in contact with somebody that's having an issue, that I can know exactly what's going on in their life. How often do we misjudge people and we don't realize what's going on in their life? And we think that person just has a raw attitude. We don't realize what just happened. I, I remember a number of years ago, I was a branch manager at a, at a bank and a lady came into my office and I was already in the midst of doing something and she interrupted me and I was a little frustrated and she just plopped herself down and she was so foul. Just everything I asked, she just was... Rah, 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 rah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this lady out of my office as quick as I can. So I just stopped asking her questions. I'm like, what do you want? She told me, I just... Boo, 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 boo. And she, in the minute, uh, said, you know what? I got to go grab a drink. And so she walked out of my office and the Lord checked me in my spirit. And he said, you have no idea what she's going through. And I felt convicted. I was like, oh my word, I've missed an opportunity. And the Lord said, no, you haven't. Be sensitive. And she came back and she sat down in my office and, and I began to talk to her. And I said, you know, let's just put this on hold. I said, how are you doing? I said, you seem a little you know, frustrated today. She said, you have no idea what I'm going through. And I said, I'm here to listen if you need to. She said, last week, my husband and I got into an argument and he pulled out a gun and he turned it on me. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And when he realized what he did, he turned it on himself and he shot himself right in front of me. And she sat there and weeped in my office. And I, and I thought, Lord, I looked at a person and I judged her based on what she was acting. But if I was operating in the gifts of the Spirit, could I have seen something in her and said, you know what, let's stop this and put this on hold. How often are you walking next to broken people in your high school? How often are you walking next to broken students in your school and, and their family is broken and their parents are abusive and you have no idea the extent of what's going on in their life, but if you would begin to walk in the spirit and you walk every day on your campus and you say, I'm on my mission field, I'm not just here to get my, my high school diploma, I'm here to be in the mission of what you want for me. God, help me to reflect you in everything that I do. Help me to reflect you. I know there's a generation that is hungry for him, that desires relationship. Are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for something deep? Am I speaking to a couple people? Is the deep calling out to the deep? There's someone here that's like, you know what? I'm not content with that. I don't want to just live off of stories of other people. I want to see those stories for myself. I want to see those miracles for myself. I want God to speak to me like he speaks to my pastor. It's going to only come if you're willing to consecrate yourself and begin to pray fast. We won't reflect him if we don't have a relationship with him. When Moses comes down from the mountain, he begins to encounter people and they're responding to him in fear. Like I said earlier, they don't want to come near him. Moses didn't realize that he's reflecting God's glory, but the people do. They see his face glowing and they're afraid. The second thing is a reflection of God will bring about a response from others. Write that down. A reflection of God will bring about a response of others. It happened to Peter and John when they're arrested in the book of Acts. Peter and John had, had just seen a miraculous uh, encounter with the man that's been lame from birth. And, and they say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of the Lord. Rise up and walk. And, and God does something great. And all of a sudden they begin to preach. And people are, are drawn to what they're saying, but all of a sudden they get arrested. Right? See, you're going to live for God and there's going to be rainy days that are going to happen in your life. You're going to get cut off when you're driving. Your teacher is going to throw a pop quiz on a Monday and you're like, what in the world? It rains on the just and the unjust. 
And scripture says that as they begin to talk to the Sanhedrin, all of a sudden the Sanhedrin respond and they say, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And listen to this part. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. You see, the more time you spend with Jesus, the, other, the more others will begin to see something different in you. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more that you don't even have to open your mouth and say something, but people will recognize the way that you respond. They'll realize that there's something different with the way that you act. They'll realize there's something different with the way that you talk, that you don't act the same way that they act. You know, as a matter of fact, I was talking with a young lady in our youth group. I asked her if I could share her story. She said, yes. Her name was Ashley. About three years ago, she started coming to church and Ashley hadn't received the Holy Ghost. She hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name, but she realized that there was something in the church that she had been missing. Her dad had passed away. Her mom is, is struggling with some issues, and she kind of is on her own. Her brother is, is a big part of her life and helping her get along with life. And so she came to church, and, and she realized, I need this. So she got involved in a Bible study, and she said that it wasn't but a couple of days later that she started realizing that the way that she reacted and responded and, and, and the, just the choices she made at school were different. She's like, I found myself not doing things that I used to do, not going to parties that I used to go to. And her friends, friends that she had been close with since sixth grade, began to realize that there was something different about Ashley. And, and so they began to ask Ashley, what's going on? And she told them what she was doing and they said, you're making a huge mistake. They said, this is what their response was. High school is a time to have all the experiences. That was their response to Ashley. And Ashley said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so because she wouldn't play their games, because she wouldn't do what they wanted her to do, the, the ringleader, her best friend, began to text all of her other friends and said, we're no longer going to invite Ashley to any of our parties, any of our events. We're not going to sit with her. We're going to just disown her. And they began to take that information and spread it around to people in the school that Ashley is weird. So Ashley would walk into school and her friends that she used to grew up with and have sleepovers with had wanted nothing to do with her. And all of a sudden, a young girl who's had dysfunction in her life found herself alone, hadn't received the Holy Ghost, hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name, but Ashley was committed. God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in their tongue. She was baptized in Jesus' name and she's been living for God. This is her senior year. And, and as I talked with her on the phone to just make sure that I got the details right, I said, Ashley, how have things been going? I said, I don't want to just tell the people that, you know, everything was doom and gloom. And she said, you know what? It's funny you ask that. She said, within the last couple of days, I, be I began to get reacquainted with one of my old friends, the one who caused all the trouble. And she said, she sat in my room the other night and she said, you know what? There's still something so different about you. And she said, and, and it's a good thing. See, God's not done writing Ashley's story. God's not done with that relationship with her friend Anna, but I can imagine there are others that are in this room that have had the same experience as Ashley. You've walked into school, and because you're different, because you stand out for Christ, people look at you and they say, there's something weird about this person. You, you see, when you stand for Christ, people are going to respond. They may reject you. They may accept you. They may be uh, you know, inquisitive and want to know what's going on. It, it always goes on the spectrum. But you have to make the commitment that regardless of how people respond, I'm going to reflect Jesus. 
Regardless of how uncomfortable it may make me feel, I'm going to continue to live what I believe. I'm not going to dress one way at church and then dress another way at school. I'm not going to wear different clothes in the car and then change when I get into school. I'm not going to talk one way when I'm with the youth group and then a whole different way when I'm with my friends at school. No, you're going to be the same person in church that you are on Monday morning in school because if you're going to reflect Christ, regardless of the temperature or the climate around you, you need to be consistent. In the book of Acts, Stephen was one of the seven chosen by the disciples. You may have known or have heard the story of Stephen. It says he was full of faith and power, great, did great signs and wonders. And, and Stephen began to preach the gospel. And all of a sudden, there was a group of people that began to dispute what Stephen said. They didn't like what he said, and so they began to kind of do the same thing that the girls did to Ashley. They began to, to stir up the people, and they began to tell false rumors and witnesses against Stephen. Stephen got brought before the Sanhedrin. And in verse 15, I've never seen this. It says, And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. There Stephen sat being persecuted for his faith. And in the midst of his persecution, because of his faithfulness, he was reflecting Christ in the strongest way. He wasn't opening his mouth or speaking. That comes. And we know that Stephen eventually gets martyred for his faith. But Stephen said, you know what? I'm going to reflect Jesus regardless of what happens. You, you see, when you stand for truth, you will reflect Jesus. When you stand for holiness, you're going to reflect Jesus. When you don't back down from what you believe, you will reflect Jesus, but you need to make the commitment today that regardless of what happens, I will reflect Jesus. Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. In Matthew 5 and 14, a city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. We cannot hide our light for Christ. but We need to reflect him in everything that we do. Scripture tells us that Moses eventually got to a place where he put a veil over his face. Babe, can I see that bag? He gets to this place where he realizes, and, and when I began to study it out, I, I thought that he just was so uh, taken back by people's fear. And because of their, their fear, he decided, you know what? I, I, I don't want the people to feel uncomfortable, so I'm going to put a, a veil. This is a scarf. It's a lady's scarf. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this veil over my face. I think. Is it fashionable? You guys like it? And so Moses begins to put this veil over the face. But if you look at, at Exodus chapter 34, I can see a little bit. I promise I won't fall off the stage. You're all hoping now that I fall off the stage. And, and Moses... If you read in Exodus chapter 34, it says that's not the case. See, the reality was is that Moses realized that the glory on his face was fading. Moses, what he would do is when he would come out of the tent of meetings and he had spoken to God and his face was glowing, he would begin to give people the commands. And as soon as he was done giving them the commands, it says that he would put the veil back over his face, not to draw attention to himself, not to make it all about Moses because he wanted to direct people to Christ. But the reality was the glory was fading. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. He said the old way, referring to the old covenant, with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. 
for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. But listen to what he says. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? You see, Moses didn't want them to see that the glory was fading. But, but even though the glory was fading, it was diminishing under the old covenant. Paul said it was going to only get greater under the new covenant. What does that mean? You see, Jesus realized that, you know what? Uh, everything in the old covenant points to Jesus. Everything in, in the Old Testament points to a Savior coming back to redeem his creation. And, and so the glory of the old way was fading because it was setting it up for the new way that was going to come because Jesus was going to come God manifested the flesh was going to robe himself and was going to come down and he who knew no sin would become sin there would be the death there would be the burial there would be the resurrection and then he said to his disciples go tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high and we know what happens in Acts chapter 2 they're in the upper room and all of a sudden the spirit of God moves into that place and they all begin to speak with other tongues as the spirit gives them the utterance that was a far greater glory than Moses experienced in the Old Testament. We now would have a glory that would last, a, a glory that wouldn't diminish, a glory that wouldn't fade away from us. In verse 13, Paul says, we are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. You see, the old covenant was a shadow of what was to come. It, it bared a shadow of what was to come. It wasn't the substance it was just a shadow. The, the old covenant concealed, if you studied it out, just believe me this moment. The old covenant concealed, but it was the new covenant that revealed, that brought freedom, that brought liberty, that brought forgiveness of sin. You see, in the old covenant, they were never really forgiven of their sin. Their sin was always just rolled over another year. But in the new covenant, we could now have forgiveness and remission of sin because God, manifest in flesh, was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And he says this in verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Can I get two volunteers? Max and Bryson, come here. Put these veils over your face. Sorry, it doesn't match. You don't have to be able to see. But you are going to do a race around here. He, he says, whenever someone, can you guys see? All right, cool. They can't see. He, he says, whenever someone receives the revelation, whenever somebody is saved, the veil is taken away. So what does that mean? That means that you have friends in your school that are walking around, maybe not looking exactly like this. But in a spiritual sense, they're veiled. And the same friends that you reach out to and you try to tell about God and sometimes they don't understand the church speak that you speak. They don't understand the revelations that you've had of God. They don't understand the, the experience that you've encountered when you received the Holy Ghost. And they look at you and they say, something's weird about that person, but they're the ones that have the truth concealed until God reveals it. But the reality is, sorry, But the reality is, is how can I help reflect Jesus if I myself am concealing the glory? If there's a world around me that is lost and that's dying and I don't want to stand out, I don't want people to know, how can I lead them to Christ? 
I, I may be able to look through this veil and I may be able to, to make my way around, but when I try to fit in, when I try to act like my friends and, and I try to, you know, make sure everything seems copacetic at school and, and we're all just, you know, hanging out, how can I reveal to them or reflect to them Jesus? You see, I'm not the one that can remove the veil from their face, but I'm the one that can reflect Jesus to the point that I can lead them to Jesus and say, you know what, come to my youth group, come to a P7 club. And if you come, I promise you that God will get a hold of you. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get the application? Thank you, guys. You, you, you have friends that are walking around daily, and they're blind. But Jesus has given you the revelation so that you can walk around and reflect him to them. So that everywhere you go in the darkest alleys, you can reflect Jesus. That in the darkest corners of your high school, to the darkest people, to the people that are living in sin and have no desire to make a turnaround, you can reveal and reflect the glory of God. Listen to what it says in verse 18. It says, so all of us had that veil removed. He's speaking to a church. He said, all of us have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's why daily we need to be in the presence of God, because it's in those moments he makes us more like him, so that we can in turn go out of our door and be a reflection of the glory of God. Why don't we stand? Will we conceal him to our lost friends? Will, will we conceal him this holiday to our lost relatives? I'm here under the unction of the Holy Ghost and say, not today. I believe there are people here today that say, not today. I've been concealing long enough. I've been walking in a school in a dark world, and I've concealed the Lord long enough. But not today. Something is going to change. I'm not going to walk out of this place until I ensure that the veil is removed. Why don't we just lift our hands? Can we just lift our hands all over this place? Can you just be, be, respond to what you feel right now? Can you just begin to make it personal with him right now? Just begin to talk, just you and him. Just, just block out what's going on. You know where you are. Maybe you're a P7 leader, and, and maybe this doesn't apply to you, but maybe this gives you the burden that there are more people in your school that need to see the revelation of Jesus Christ. Or, or maybe you've been walking through your school Monday after Monday, Friday after Friday, and you just want to be comfortable. You just want to go through the motions, and God is whispering in your ear today. Or maybe he's screaming, and he's saying, it's time to rip off the veil. It's time to reflect me. It's time to make a decision that we're no longer going to conceal the glory, but we're going to reflect him wherever we go. We're no longer going to treat our relationship with God as casual, but we're going to make a commitment to go deeper. I think some of us need to pray prayers today that say, not my will, but your will be done, God. Not my will, God, but your will. Lord, I must decrease so that you can increase. If that's your prayer today, these altars are open. Don't leave here the same way you walked in, but, but you have an opportunity for a fresh touch of the master. You have an opportunity for him to come and begin to whisper in your ear. I 
I release my P7 leaders to begin to pray with these at the altar. If you would begin to lay hands on your friends, begin to lay hands on your peers and pray that God would help them to no longer conceal the glory. Lord, help us to make a decision every day that we're going to reflect you. Every day we're going to reflect you. God, I consecrate myself, Lord. I've not been praying the way that, Lord, I should. And, Lord, I say tomorrow, and it's going to change, God. Tomorrow I'm going to take some things, Lord, that have been distractions, some things that have been weights around me, God, and I'm going to get rid of them so that I can have time with you, God. Lord, I'm going to stop making things about myself. I'm going to stop making it about me, God. I want it to be all about you. Lord, it's not about me being popular. It's not about me being liked, God. It's not about me being accepted, God. Lord, it's about you being reflected in me, God. Can we just lift our voices? As he begin to cry out to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. I rebuke doubt in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I pray burdens would fall on this place. Lord, that Lord Jesus, there would just be burdens, Lord, to daily wake up and to go deeper in prayer, God. You said, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. So God, I take the first step. Lord, I'm not going to let my dictate my future I'm not gonna let my scars dictate where I'm going God but I'm gonna move towards you God Lord I may not understand where you want me to go I may not understand what you want from me but I will step forward God I'm not gonna wait from someone else in my youth group to be the leader but I'm gonna lead in prayer in dedication in consecration God Lord, everything I am, everything I have is yours, God. Hallelujah, that's it. Let's not pray uh, rehearsed prayers. Let's not pray simple prayers, but let's go deep with God. Let's get to a level of uh, maybe intercession for our lost friends. God, use me. Just as Isaiah said it when he felt the burden, he said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Maybe you feel you're here today and you feel so far away from God. Maybe it's the last thing on your mind that are reflecting it, but maybe you just would be bold enough to raise your hands and say, God, I want to hear your voice again. God, I want to feel your touch again in my life. God, I don't know where I've gone wrong, God. Somewhere along the way, I've strayed away from you. God, I made it about myself, but Lord, today I want to come back, God. Lord, I want to go deeper, God. Lord, God, touch me. Maybe it's a, a moment to just begin to repent and say, God, I've made some bad choices, Lord. I've had some cycles of sin, Lord, some things that have become addictions in my life. But God, would you help me today? Would you search me, O oh Lord, and know me, God? Would you try me and see if there be any wicked way in me?
get that same tenacity that Jacob had when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord where he said, I won't let you go. I won't let you go until you touch me. I won't let you go until you change me. I won't let you go, God. I don't care if I'm the last one in these altars. I won't let you go until something changes in me, God. Oh, hallelujah. Maybe it's the prayers you pray tonight that changes the course of your family. Maybe it's the prayers you pray tonight that begins to bring function back into the relationship between your mom and your dad. Maybe it's the prayers you pray tonight that God dispatches some angels over to your friends who are going to make some bad decisions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.